I am um, just so honored to lead a church that's willing to take, you know, to go off course and to follow what the Holy Spirit is doing. Um, that doesn't always happen, but that's what God does, amen? Like sometimes he surprises us. And, uh, and I just love to be a part of a church family that's willing to go along uh, with what God wants to do and not necessarily our plans, but God's plan, amen? So um, and it's, it's ironic that I'm preaching what I'm preaching today and, and we've been having these great moments with God already this morning because the title of the message is simply, Why Church? Why church? Why do we go to church? What's the purpose of church? Why do, we, why do we go to this place on Sunday morning and worship? What's the benefit of it? And, you know, it's, it's, it is also kind of ironic that I'm preaching this message on Memorial Day weekend. When inherit, Usually most people don't go to church this weekend, right? So, hey, you're awesome for being here today because uh, there's so many people that this would, be the, this would be the week that they skip, you know, because, hey, we got a party, we got stuff going on, and hey, I understand we got life, it's all good. But, hey, why do we go to church? What's the point of what we're doing here together? And, and, and I hear a lot of people say this. Our culture nowadays is, is more, I think more than ever, going away from the idea of organized religion and organized church. And the individualistic society that we live in basically says, hey, I, am, I have my relationship with God. It's a personal choice. It's something that I do for me. And, and it has nothing to do with anybody else. But yet we see all throughout scripture that life is not to be done alone and this walk with God is not to be done alone. But it is to be accomplished in the context of community, amen? We're supposed to gather together, get together, love on each other, encourage each other. Iron sharpens iron and we're supposed to do this life together and yet so many people say these things. Maybe they don't say them, but they think them. Like, well, hey, I love Jesus and that's all I need. You know, I don't need church. I don't need to go on a Sunday morning. What's the point? of being there on a Sunday morning. Or you have, you know, kids that say, hey, maybe I don't really want to go to church. Uh, maybe you've dealt with that before. Or you have people that say, well, hey, religion is a personal choice and I don't want to force it on my children or, or I don't need to get in this community of people. It has nothing to do with them. It's between me and God. And I understand that some people, especially nowadays, have a problem with church. Maybe because they've been hurt by a pastor or a leader or by a church. And I think that has a lot to do with why people don't trust church. Last week we talked about, uh, there's a message called Who's Your Rabbi? And it was all about who is discipling you? Who is teaching you? Who is holding you accountable? Who is helping you to become more like Christ? And yet many people have a hard time with church and with leaders because we see so many, it's all over the news now. It seems like every other month or every year there's a new documentary coming out about this pastor that failed or this church that uh, was using funds in the wrong way or this, that, and the other. And it becomes difficult for us to trust the community. And so we pull away in order to protect ourselves. And yet God asks us to lean into the tension. He asks you to lean into the messiness of family, which is what church really is. So I want to have a conversation about that today. And it might, it might be difficult for some people to talk about it in this way, but I think it's an important conversation that needs to be had. So I have a few points for you today. And the first one, if I could say this, I think it's the most obvious, is that God's people have always gathered together. God's people have always gathered together. Man, if you look all throughout scripture, you will see many, many occurrences of God's people getting together. In the Old Testament, 
We have uh, Moses and the Israelites that were given strict commands from God. We have the Ten Commandments, but we also have over 600 different laws that were given to Moses by God and that were implemented in their everyday life. And one of those things was to get together and to keep the Sabbath day holy. It's one of the most important commands in all of Judaism. They are very, very strict on it, even to this day. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And what would they do? In, in, in those times, they would gather together, and they had different times, different feasts and festivals and things where they would gather together. They would eat, they would pray, they would worship together. They would gather together. The leaders of the communities, Moses, would get everybody together and say, hey, we need to go through Scripture. Joshua gets people together. Let's read through Scripture. You see every single chapter of every book, you see some instance of the people gathering together to worship. And then in Jesus' time, right before Jesus comes on the scene, the Jews uh, had these places called synagogues. And this is where they would go to learn about God. They would learn scripture. They would worship together. They would pray. They would eat together. And Jesus believed in this. He loved this. In fact, he did it himself. He actually says in Luke 4.16, it says this about Jesus. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom... He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. What do we see here? We see Jesus getting dressed, right? He's in his house. He's waking up. You know, Jesus had to wake up too. You know, you ever imagine Jesus brushing his teeth or something? You know what I mean? Like you got to imagine, put yourself in the situation here. Jesus is getting up. He's putting his clothes on, putting his, strapping his sandals on. He gets out of his house and goes to the place of worship on the same day of the week with other people who are also doing the same thing as him to worship God. What does that sound like, guys? Church. It sounds like church. It sounds like exactly like what we are doing right here, right now. And so when people say, listen, I can worship Jesus by myself at my house. Sure you can, but it doesn't replace church. It doesn't. Well, I can, I can worship online. I can watch online. Well, sure you can, but it doesn't replace church. There is something about being in the room that God has a special anointing on. Amen? There's something about when God moves in a service, and even just today, like what has happened here in this place, you don't get that if you're not in the room. There's something powerful about having somebody laying their hands on you and speaking life over you and calling out miracles and hope and peace in your life and praying for miracles and praying for healing and having somebody actually impart something to you. There's something about gathering together and worshiping with one another that God has a unique and special blessing and special anointing for. Jesus believes in church. He believed in gathering people together. God shows us in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament as well. Uh, it's like FaceTime. You know, I love FaceTime. How many of y'all use FaceTime? You know, like you have somebody that you love that's on the other side of the country. You have somebody that you care about that maybe is overseas, and you can talk to somebody that is on the complete other side of the world through FaceTime. But how many of y'all know the second that that person gets home, 
And you're able to give them a hug around their neck. Come on, you're kissing all over them. And your kids are like, ew, gross. You're like, I don't even care. You know, like, I'm just trying to see this person. I'm loving on this person. I've missed them. How many of you know those hugs and those times with that person are way better than any FaceTime? Come on now. Like, I'm not trying to knock on online church or anything like that. I'm not trying to knock on that. But what I'm trying to say is there's something different about being in person with the power and the presence of God in the room that is so, so important. You can't replace it. You can't. Matthew 16, 18, it says, and I tell you, you are Peter, this is Jesus talking, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me tell you this, Jesus wants to build his church, but for some reason many Christians have joined hell's mission to tear it down. I'm going to say it again. Jesus wants to build his church, but many Christians have joined hell's mission to tear it down. Why is that? There's, there's, it's not just coming from the outside anymore. It's not just coming from non-believers anymore. It's coming from Christians, people in the church. They say, no, 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 I don't, I don't need church. I don't believe in church or this, that, and the other. And it's like, listen, Jesus believed in it. The Old Testament Jews, the Israelites, they certainly believed in gathering together. The New Testament church in Acts, they believed in it. They gathered together, and yet for some reason now, we want to fight against the church that Jesus is trying to build. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to play for the losing team? Because we know it says right here, the gates of hell, what, shall not prevail against it. And Satan is trying to tear down the church, but many Christians today, instead of speaking life over one another, speaking life over pastors, speaking life over churches, and speaking life over people, what they would rather do is look at all of the imperfections in the body of Christ and say, look, see, that's why I don't trust it. There it is. That's the thing. Now, I'm done. I'm out. And I understand there's real hurts that that people have experienced. I don't want to go past that because I think then people will say, well, pastor said I can't talk about when I was hurt by that church. No, 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 no. Listen, there's real things that have happened in people's lives that need to be talked about. Pastors that have hurt you and leaders that have hurt you, churches that have said things and, 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 and people within the church that have done really messed up things. I'm not saying you can't talk about that. I'm not saying that that's not a part of your story. But what I am saying is be careful how you talk about it. Be careful that you don't go into a place where you're actually now speaking against the church that Jesus is trying to build. Don't, don't speak death over the church. Speak life over the church. And we can find healing in those things that have happened to us in the right context. But don't speak death over the church of Jesus Christ. Let's speak life over it and try to build up our leaders, build up one another. But many Christians have joined in this mission to tear it down. I don't want to play for the losing team because we know hell will not prevail against it. I want to be on the side of Jesus and building the church. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. Let's build this church. Let's build the big capital C church. Let's encourage one another. Let's speak life over one another. And let's hold each other accountable. That's important. That's a part of church. Let's find a healing together. And I think if we do all those things, we will win together. Amen. Come on. The early church was the same. They gathered together to worship in Acts 2. It says they gathered every single day, as a matter of fact. Y'all want to have church every day? Come on, somebody. Like, I love this. We got schedules. We got stuff to do. They gathered every single day. It says they ate together, they worshiped together, they learned about the word of God together, they talked about Jesus together, they worked through things together. And here's the deal, point number two, if you're taking notes, how you spend your time reveals what you value. 
How you spend your time reveals what you value. And you see in the New Testament, in, in the book of Acts, man, you would obviously know what the early church valued. That was Jesus getting together, spending time together. They were every single day they were with each other. So you have to understand that you could see that they valued those things because they spent a lot of time doing it. And I think when we talk about value, we talk a lot about how we spend our money. Uh, many people say this, hey, wherever you put your dollars is, is how you're showing what you value, okay? And people spend their money in all kinds of different ways. Like you might have an amazing car, okay? How many of y'all got a nice ride, okay? Like I just hope, don't raise your hand, come on, don't, don't just like, come on. But you got a nice ride and you know it, okay? And you, but you want to make sure everyone else at church sees it. So you go through this little loop and you just go real slow. You know, it's like you bump the music, you're going real slow. Like, hey, how we doing? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Chicago. God blessed and highly favored this morning. Yes, amen. You're going through and you got a nice car. You got a nice ride. But then um, you park it at your rundown apartment complex. You know what I mean? Like you ain't got a nice house, but you got a really nice ride, okay? Some people are the opposite. They have a beautiful home, an amazing home. They love to host people, and it's, they're all about it. They got this beautiful house. People come in, and like, oh, I just love this tile. And you're like, I know, I picked it myself, custom, you know. Like, it's amazing. They love it. It's great. And then you're rolling around in your 1995 Toyota with 250,000 miles, a window that won't roll down, and just like, you know, be like you got all kinds of nasty carpet stains and everything like that. You're like, that's a weird kind of combination there. But some people have neither of those things. Some people... Man, they live pretty modestly, but they really, um, you know, enjoy going out and having experiences and traveling and things like that. And uh, some of y'all spend eight hundred dollars uh, at HEB, and you know what I'm talking about? Inflation. Them eggs be expensive, y'all. Like I'm trying to get my protein. It is expensive. But then some of y'all go out and spend $800 at Taco Bell. You know, come on, somebody. And it's because you value different things. Maybe you value eating at home with your family and having that family time and getting those connections. And, or maybe you value going out to eat and, and having those experiences and traveling. Those are things that you value. Uh, you might value material possessions. Some of you value experiences. Some of you value the experience with your family and that, that connection, intimate time. And some of you value flexibility and having fun, getting out and doing things. Listen, it's the same with our time. How you spend your time also reveals what you value. If you spend long days at work, you might value, you know, professionalism, personal growth, things like that. If you spend a lot of time with your family or friends or close connections, then you might value that intimacy and the connection that you have. And when you spend time in God's house, it shows that you value him. Amen? When you spend time at the house of God, I'm not saying you got to be here every single day. I know some of y'all grew up in a church where it was every day there was some kind of activity at the church. And you were a kid and you're like, do we really have to go again? Like we were there yesterday. We was there the day before. Like sister so-and-so, we're having a potluck, you know. Like we're having a small group. And we're having all kinds of events. Listen, I'm not saying you have to be here every single day. But what I'm saying is, is do you value God by valuing the house of God? It's his house. This is what we believe. And so... We make time for the things that we care about. You know this. I know this. It's quite obvious. If you care about something, you are going to make time for it. People say, I don't got time to work out. Yes, you do. You just don't value it enough, right? Yes, you do. Like, you spend three hours on Netflix with your wife at night. Like, yes, you can go work out. Like, you have time for it. I don't care how busy you are. You got three jobs and stuff. Okay, that's cool, man. You can find 20 minutes to do some squats. You know what I mean? Like, you can find time to work out if you value it. And I'm going to be honest, guys. There's times as a pastor 
that I've had to reevaluate my time. I've had days where my calendar is stacked from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And when we were going through this building project, Scott knows here, I mean, it was 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. sometimes. My schedule was stacked. Meetings, projects, it was all kinds of things. And after a couple weeks of that, I realized very quickly, man, I have not been connecting with God in the way that I really want to. But isn't that how it goes, right? That's how it goes all the time. We get busy with work, school, our kids' school, our sports schedules, all these different things. And then you unwind with some Netflix, working out, hobby, family time, dinner, bath time, bed. Boom, that's how it is. It seems like the time goes so fast, especially if you got kids in the house. So where does God fit into that equation? Where does that time with God, whether it's at the church or whether it's just on your own, where does God fit in to all of that? And if you do an audit of your time, I think you'd quickly realize that the way you are spending your time doesn't always match up and line up with the values you say you have. You might talk about spending time with God or that you have a value of spending time with God, but when our actions don't line up with our words and with what we say are our values, and I think we need to take a hard look at ourselves and say, what do I actually value? Look at your time, look at your calendar, look at your day-to-day schedule, and you will quickly realize what it is that you value. And if you're lying to yourself, there's a group of people that know that you're lying. There's a group of people, I'm going to be honest, they'll call you out pretty quick. And that is your children. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. If you've got kids, you already know, they will sell you out so fast. You're like, yes, we really just value um, spending time with the Lord and praying, you know, and everything. And then be like, I have never heard you pray once. Well, yeah, we're just in our quiet time. Like, what quiet time? All you do is yell at me and yell at my sister. I ain't ever seen you crack open a Bible ever, okay? And then you're just like, shut up. You know, will you stop it? Like, you're trying to look good at church, you know, in front of all these people. You're trying to say, oh, I have these values. But really, do you though, right? Your kids will sell you out so fast. Here's the deal. Number three, our next point is our kids follow our lead. Why, church? If you have children, this next point is for you. Or really, if you don't have kids, this is for anyone around you. But our kids follow our lead. They will sell you out so fast because they can see through all the lies that you tell yourself. They can see through all the stuff that you tell everybody else. And they watch you carefully. (laughs) You know. Because... Every once in a while, I say a Christian cuss word, right? And then my son says it too. And then I'm like, oh, you're not allowed to say that. And he's like, well, you say it. I'm like, you got me, okay? Like, I'm sorry. I won't say that word anymore, okay? Like, I won't do that anymore. But listen, this is what our kids do. We know this is a psychological fact, is that kids imitate their parents. We know this. Your children will imitate you. They watch you. They listen to you. And you start saying stuff, you start watching stuff, you start doing stuff, you'll start to notice your kids taking on the same characteristics as you. If I was to take your kids and ask them a couple of questions, don't be nervous. I won't do this, okay? I say, what do your mom and dad care about? What do they spend time doing? What do they talk about a lot? Your kids will sell you out, but they will be spot on every single time. They probably know your values better than you might even know your values. And so I think we need to understand that our kids are following our lead. And we need to see that there's a perception they have of what we value that's different maybe than actually what's happening. Here's the deal. Um, one thing that you can do and something that I do every once in a while and I'm even going to do more often, the Lord was even convicting me about this, is something I want to make more regular in my life. 
I don't always do my devotionals in my home office. I have an office uh, at my house, lucky enough to have one. It's great. Uh, I can close the door and say, leave me alone. I got stuff to do. You know, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm working, I'm writing a message, whatever it might be. And so I go in there into the office, and what I started to realize is my son never sees me reading my Bible. He never sees me praying unless I'm here on a Sunday morning. So now what I will do every once in a while is I'll take my Bible right before Oakland wakes up. My son, he's four. I'll plop it right on the kitchen table, and I'll do a devotional right there on the kitchen table. And I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait until I hear, and I'll go right on the kitchen table. I'll just sit there and wait for him to come down. He come down and he say, Dad, what are you doing? Well, I'm reading my Bible. Okay, cool. I'm going to watch Bluey. Okay, cool. But what is he seeing? He's seeing his dad connecting with God. He's seeing it. It's not just something that's personal. It's not just my, my religion and my thing. No, no, no. This is my family's thing. I want to model this to my children. So I want him to see me praying. We invite our kids to pray with us on a regular basis, not just right before bed or when we eat. But man, if I'm ever praying, man, he falls and hits himself and he hurts himself. Hey, Oakland, can we pray with you? Uh, he knows somebody that's going through something. Hey, can we pray for that person? Man, pray. Take every opportunity you can to pray with your kids. Listen, I don't even use my phone. I don't use my iPad when I'm at the kitchen table. I use my Bible, like my actual Bible. Why? Because I might be scrolling through Instagram for all he knows. No, no, no. I want him to see that I'm reading the word of God and I have value for the word of God. I model that because the way that I value God in the church and my relationship with God and I model that in front of him is the way that he is going to eventually model it himself. Amen? So model this before your kids. And so uh, we pray together. We talk positively about God and the church. Right before bed on Saturday nights, we don't say, hey, you better get to bed. We got to go to church tomorrow. We got to get up. We got to eat breakfast. We got to get the kids ready. We got to do this. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be a lot. That's not how we talk about church at our house. Say, hey, bud, you better get to bed because we get to go to church tomorrow. You get to go to Rad Kids tomorrow. It's going to be a ton of fun. You're going to get to see all your friends. Daddy's going to get to preach. You're going to get to worship and have fun with all your friends. Oakland loves coming to church, and I hope he always loves coming to church. Why? Because the way that you talk about God in the church matters. The things that you say will speak life or death over the church, and it will influence the way that your family and your kids and the people around, even the way when you're at work, let's say you don't have kids, you're at work. The way you talk about church and the way you talk about God will influence the way people around you think about God. That's a pretty big responsibility, wouldn't you say? And so maybe if you're a parent in this place, you say, well, my kids don't want to go to church. They ain't ever liked church. They want to go. Well, they also don't want to brush their teeth. They don't want to eat their vegetables. They don't want to go to school. But you make them do those things, right? Come on, somebody. Why? Because it's good for them. It's what we do as parents. Kids are not always going to like the things that you make them do, but you make them do things that are good for themselves. They don't know what's good for them. You do. That's why you're the parent. So I might be preaching to the choir here because a lot of you got your kids here in church today, okay? So good for you. Like, come on, somebody. Good job. But listen, you have to model what is important in your family. And that's why you're in charge. That's why God puts you in charge of your family. And, and I see so many people today, I don't understand this, but they say, I don't want to force my kids to go to church. It's their choice. Religion is a personal choice. Or, or I want to let them lead the way on this. Imagine what that would sound like in any other area of your life as a parent. Listen, I don't want to force my son to go to school. He thinks that everyone there is fake, not very nice. His teacher said something he didn't like. So we told him, you know what? You don't ever have to go to school ever again. 
what? I don't want to force my daughter to stay off the road while she's playing because she's going to have to come to that decision on her own. No, people would look at you and be like, you are a terrible parent. But then when it comes to church, you say, I don't want to force my kids to go to church. It's a personal choice. They got to come to this on their own. The Christian parents in the background are like, oh my gosh, that's so empowering. That's great. That's amazing that you're doing that. Come on, people. Think about it for a second. That's not good parenting. That is trash parenting. That is not Christian parenting. That's bad. It's not brainwashing. It is simply good Christian parenting to get your kids in the house of God. Why? Because we show what we value by the time that we spend doing things. It's right here, Joshua 24, 15. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if it seems evil for you to go to church, if it seems evil for you to, uh, to do these things, whatever it might be, this is Joshua talking here. It says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will what? It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want you to get some boldness in your family today. I want you to have some boldness in your life to say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the other Christian parents say. I don't care what psychology today says. As for me and my house, we will be at church. If you don't like it, that's okay. We will figure it out, all right? We got to go to somewhere where we can all learn about Jesus together, okay? I'm not saying you can't ever have your, if your kids don't like going to church, they don't like one particular church, man, find a place where they love it, okay? If they hate coming to rad kids, go somewhere else where they love it. It's that important. I'm telling you, it's that important. That's why we are investing in a new kids pastor. That's why we invest so much in our kids volunteers. We want to have great people back there to teach your kids to love on them where they have fun and they make friends because it's so important for you as a parent. We got to model this the right way. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, if I can talk to you for just another second, you have a responsibility to train your children in the ways of God. But also it's to communicate God's love for them to show grace when they mess up, the fruit of the spirit, to live out your faith in front of them. I think the big problem with a lot of our parents, maybe, if I can be honest, and the way of the past was we went to church on Sunday morning and that's all that mattered. We're going to church on Sunday. But then your kids didn't see you living out your faith with God the other six days of the week. And so now the kids are like, well, why do we have to come here? Because you don't even do any of this stuff any other day of the week. They can see right through it. And so now they don't have a value for God because the value for God has to be instilled with them seven days a week at home, not just one day at church, amen? So parents, understand that's a responsibility that we have. The next point I have for you is community equals accountability. I'm gonna fly through this real quick. Well, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What does it say here? It says, let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. So some people, it says, as is the habit of some, some people were already not meeting together. Some people were already saying, oh, I don't really need this. And immediately in scripture, we see that he's like, no, 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 don't do that. 
No, we need to meet together. This is important. This is a good thing. Let's stir each other up to love and good works. Accountability is so much more than just saying, hey, you're doing this wrong, and man, I need to correct you in this way. Accountability is encouragement. Accountability is saying, hey, listen, we're going to show you what we are for more than what we are against. Like, we are for Jesus, man. And when you get around other Jesus people, they're going to encourage you to go after Jesus. That's accountability. Get in a small group. Get with other people. Hang out with them after church. Have pool parties with your kids. Get around other Christ followers because what does that do? It encourages you and your family to live like Jesus lived. This is the accountability that we want. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. We just finished our, our marriage group. And it was so impactful to me because I, I prayed this prayer and I didn't even, I didn't even realize, I had never said this before, but I said, you know, one man sharpens another. And I said, God, thank you that one marriage sharpens another. And I prayed that prayer and I was like, whoa, I've never even thought about that before. But that's really what it was. It was so helpful, even for me and Lindsay. It was amazing. We got together with like, you know, five or six other couples every other week and we'd pray and we'd watch a video and we'd talk about marriage and the things we're going through. It was so impactful to see people that had just gotten married and they were like, oh, wow, you guys go through the same things that we're going through right now? We're like, yeah, we all got problems, all right? Like it's, all, it's normal, it's okay. And they were finding freedom in that. They were finding hope in that. Seeing a marriage that's 25 years down the line and they just got married a year or two ago and they're like, oh, we're gonna be okay. This is all right. Like, we're gonna work this thing out. And then the marriages that are 25 and 30 years down the line are sharpening other people and they're even learning from some of us. It was incredible. It was this beautiful thing and you don't get that unless you're in community with one another. And the last point I have for you today is simply God promised to meet us here. I'm gonna skip a little bit, but God promised to meet us here. As we close today, uh, this is my favorite part of the message. This is my number one reason why I love coming to church. It's simply because God said he would be here if we are also there. It says it right here, Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them also. Come on, I will also be with you. When you gather together, when you worship together, when you exalt my name in unity and in community, I will also be there. I will send my presence and I will bless that gathering. Come on, I want to live in unity and in community with one another. Why? Because God said he's in the middle of it. And I want the presence of God. I want the presence. Like what happened here today, you don't get this when you're at your house with nobody. You don't get that. There's something different about being here together. God's presence falls and God's presence shows up. And that is where we find true deliverance. That's where we find true freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, what? There is freedom. And I want to be wherever the spirit of God is. I don't know about you. I don't want to be on my own. I don't want to do my own thing. I want to find freedom in Christ. Why don't you stand with me today? Now, I know this message might be tough for some people because you have been hurt by a church or you have been hurt by a pastor. It's, it's difficult. I get it. I'm not saying you can't talk about those things, but what I'm saying is let's take an audit on what we care about. If we care about God, get in the house of God. It's his house. 
we need to have a value for church and a value for the gathering of God's people. Why? Because Jesus valued it. God valued it in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the early church valued it. A lot of people say, hey, they just got in home groups and that's all they had. No, they did not. They still met together at the temples. They met together. They were afraid for their lives for some period, so they weren't able to. But as soon as they were able to, they started building places to gather together because they understood how important it was. Don't forsake the gathering as, as some have been doing. Man, I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because you're here, all right? But at the same time, maybe you're inconsistent and you just come every once in a while. I'd encourage you, maybe if you come once a month or every three months, some of y'all be the CEO Christians, like Christmas, Easter only Christians. You know what I'm talking about? Like, man, find some consistency, find a pattern. And get to the house of God whenever you can. Man, we go on vacation. That's cool. It used to be if you missed, y'all remember some of y'all have been in church for a long time. You miss one Sunday and people be calling you like, hey, where were you at? What you doing? Why were you not at church? You sinner. You know what I mean? Like, and that's not, that's not cool. Like I get it. All right. I think there's grace for that. But be consistent in the house of God. Be consistent in getting in community with one another because it's not just good for you, but you might be a blessing to somebody else. God wants to use you to bless other people in this body. So, man, whether you've been hurt by church or whether you're inconsistent or whether you come to church on a regular basis, and this is just a nice refresher for you, I just want to pray for every person here today. And it's just going to be a prayer of blessing over you and over your family, especially those of you that have kids. I encourage you, model your faith in front of your family. Model it in front of your wife, model it in front of your husband, model it at work, model it in front of your kids. And man, you will start to see the value of the people around you. They will start to value church and value God more often, amen? Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for you and for the church that you have built. For Radical Church, for this amazing house that you've built, I'm so grateful, but also for uh, the global church that you are building. God, we wanna speak life into the church We don't want to tear it down. We don't want to join hell and Satan and his mission to destroy it. But we want to have, uh, 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 just speak life over pastors, over leaders, over churches, over the body. And Lord, there's going to be things that are messy because we're family. This is what it is. Family's messy. It's dirty sometimes. and, And it's difficult sometimes. But God, I pray that we would have the fortitude to lean into the tension that is church family to lean into the tension of accountability, to lean into the tension of being sharpened. It's not an easy process to be sharpened. Sometimes it hurts, but God, it's good for us. Help our kids to value you and to value your church and help us to have a value for the gathering in the house of God. And Lord, I pray that when we do gather together, that you would be faithful to your promise to meet us here in this place. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus one time in in the house of God. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If uh, you are new, please connect with us. Meet me outside. I'd love to hang out with you for a second. Fill out that connect card, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.